0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Cynthia Hig got a new job this last March. A job she'd been hoping for, for quite a while. But the job just happened to be 14 miles away from where she lived. Her car was unreliable. Her friend said, you need to move. Get an apartment closer to your new job. But she refused. She said, if I move, Crystal won't know how to find me if she chooses to come home. You see, Crystal was her only daughter. And at age 14, Crystal decided to run away, gone for 20 years and 10 months. During that time, Cynthia never touched a thing in Crystal's room. During that span, she prayed daily for God to send her daughter home. Last weekend, there was a knock on Cynthia's front door. And when she opened it, standing there was her lost daughter, her husband, and her four children. Now, Crystal had changed her name. She had changed her age, changed her nationality, changed her mother tongue, even changed her look. But one glance told Cynthia, this is Crystal. She screamed. And they embraced and cried for a long time. Moms, can you even imagine? 20 years not knowing if your daughter's alive. And then one day she shows up at the front door. Today's story is a little bit like that. It's a parable Jesus tells to the Pharisees. Now, in this story today, the Pharisees are represented by the older son. And as such, they are really the main characters of the story. The Pharisees and the older son. Judy Horn was teaching her first and second grade Sunday school class. This particular Sunday, she read aloud to them, from Luke 12, the story of the prodigal son. When she finished, she said, Okay, class, who can tell me what we learned from this story? Seven-year-old Abby raised her hand and, when called upon, she said, Never leave home without your credit card. Be forewarned, that's not it. The takeaway today is different from that. I've called it the two lost sons, because while one is lost at a distance, the other is lost even though he stays home. The older son is the main character in the story. He represents the Pharisees to whom Jesus is sending this message. But let's talk about the characters in order. This youngest son and his request would have been unimaginable to the Middle Eastern mind. Three reasons. First of all, to ask for your inheritance before your father dies is the same as saying, Dad, would you hurry up and die so I can get what's going to be mine? Those hearing this request would have thought outlandish. It was punishable by death. Jesus makes it outlandish on purpose. The second reason it was unheard of is because this would affect the entire extended family. Understand the village was all related. It was small. It included those who worked in the field, those who were servants in the house, aunts, uncles, grandparents. This is a time before nursing homes. There's no Medicare and Medicaid. The older parents still alive are living and supported by the family farm. To give this younger son his request means liquidating one-third of the assets. Now, the family's wealth was not down in the savings of loan. It was in their land, their animals, and their buildings. One-third would have to be sold. And I say a third, even though they're two sons, because the oldest Jewish son always got a double blessing. So the oldest boy would get two-thirds of the inheritance. This youngest son, one-third. To give him what he wants, things would have to be sold quickly. And to sell quickly also means usually to sell cheaply. It would affect everyone in the village to liquidate. Assets would have to be turned into Coins. There's no paper money. He has to carry it with him in a bag. And as he lifts this bag of coins, the eyes and the scorn of the entire village would have been upon him. For this would be cutting his roots, burning the bridge back. There would be no way back to the family or the village. Now the expressions on the face is watching him leave would have words behind them saying, How dare you? Don't you ever come back. Be gone forever. Now what about the father? Could the father forget the son? Impossible. Just as Cynthia couldn't forget her daughter she hadn't heard from in 20 plus years. A loving parent never forgets. They wait with expectation and hope beyond that which is rational. I propose that daily this father prayed, God, take care of my son and bring him back. And every evening I propose he's on the horizon looking for the silhouette until one day he sees it. Immediately he begins to run. Now, for a Jewish male to run, he would have to hike up his robe, exposing his legs, which would break two Jewish rules. But the father's not concerned about the rules. He knows he has to get to his son before the villagers get there. He has to get to his son before his oldest son gets there. For they will most certainly do harm to this one who has squandered one third of the family's wealth. When he gets there, he embraces him. He kisses him. And the son begins to spew out this Speech he's rehearsed. Dad interrupts. Dad says, bring the best robe. Bring a ring and sandals. Kill the fattened calf we're going to celebrate. For my son who is lost has come home. A quick lesson in beef. I grew up in Iowa so I can do this. Do you know why a ribeye costs more than a sirloin? It's the fat. But they call it marbling, because that sounds better. And do you know why a prime cut of ribeye costs more than a select cut of ribeye? You know, three different grades, prime, choice, select. What's the difference? Again, it's the fat. More marbling means more flavor and more expensive and better taste. Which is why restaurants in the upper Midwest advertise corn-fed beef on the menu. It's not grass-fed, which is lean. It's corn-fed, which has lots of fat. Fat costs more. It tastes better, but we call it marbling. Marbling. This calf in the story is not out eating grass with the sheep. He's in a pen. He's being fed grain. They're fattening him up so there'll be more marbling and better taste. This is an expensive possession saved for a special occasion. Dad says, let's do a party and let's kill that fatty calf. For my son was lost, but now he's home. Now, the older brother's been out in the field. He's not a laborer in the field, mind you. He's a supervisor. His job is to give out instructions, manage the workers, and at the end of each day, to pay each worker one day's pay. The worker would then take that coin and buy food for his family on the way home. They weren't paid weekly or monthly, they were paid daily. That was his job at the end. Well, the work for the day is finished. He's headed back to the house and he hears the dancing and the music. He sees the dancing and he hears the music. There's a party. He says, what's up? Well, the worker says, well, your brother's come home. Dad's killed a fatted calf and they're having a party. How does he respond? He is Angry. Angry. He refuses to attend the party and to play his role as the polite host. He protests by staying outside. Dad comes out to try and talk to him, but to no avail. Now, why is this oldest son so angry? First of all, that fatted calf is his. The youngest son got his share and he squandered it. That's his calf that was killed for the party for his rotten brother. No wonder he's angry. Secondly, his brother doesn't deserve a party. This isn't fair. What his brother deserves is punishment. Maybe debtor's prison. Best case scenario, a hired hand who lives out in the servant's quarters. Not a party. Not a ring. Not a robe. Not the fatted calf. That's mine. And then thirdly, the oldest son is mad because... In his mind, he's the one who deserves the party. He says, Dad, I've been faithful and hardworking all these years. You've never even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. This rotten brother of mine has blown one third of our family's wealth, and you throw a party. It's not fair. The oldest brother is angry. And we probably relate and understand. So what are the takeaways for us from this powerful lesson from our Lord? First of all, the younger son's desire is for freedom. He wants to be his own boss, call his own shots, be the captain of his own soul. Probably would have had a bumper sticker, don't tread on me. We've probably all been there. There was a time in our life when we wanted to be our own boss, call our own shots, be in charge of our own destiny. But at some point on our life journey, God sent the hounds of heaven after us. And as He began to nip at our heels, we began to realize our need for the Father, our need for forgiveness. And the gift God extends to all. And as God warmed up our hearts, we began to believe that the Bible is true and Jesus in the Bible is actually God's Son, the one who died in our place. And We not only said, God, I believe, we chose to be followers. You're here today because you've chosen to be a follower of Jesus, God's Son. When we make that choice, we begin a process called sanctification. It's a journey from where we are toward the likeness of Christ. So take up my cross and follow me. On that sanctification journey, every day, you and I are tempted to be the older brother. Now, while the youngest son wanted freedom, the oldest son wants justice. He wants life to be fair. It wasn't fair then, it's not fair now. The older brother represents the Pharisees. And for them, the rules are more important than the people. The older brother would have been happy if the inheritance would have returned, and his brother would have been lost. The rules are more important than the people for the oldest brother. And that's why the Pharisees were always on Jesus... For healing on the Sabbath. He's breaking the rules. It doesn't matter. Somebody's been lame for 30 years and now they walk. For the oldest brother, rules are more important than people. The younger brother wants freedom. The older brother wants justice. And the point of Jesus' story is they're both wrong, both brothers are lost. God's calling us not to be like the younger or the older, but like the Father. Last weekend, I was driving a truck with work, and we're headed to Amelia Island. And as we attempt to get through Tampa, it takes us four and a half hours from Naples to get through Tampa. Three accidents on the highway. Each time we sit and we crawl along. You've been there. Accident number three, I could see the flashing lights about a quarter mile ahead. They've narrowed us from three lanes down to one. So we're in single file on the inside lane of I-75, and we're just inching along, inching along, 10 or 15 minutes. And then as we're getting closer, a guy in a sports car zooms around on my right and pulls right in front of me. I laid on the horn, let him have it. Now, why did I do that? Because what he was doing wasn't fair. If I got to wait in line, he should have to wait in line, right? Friends, that's the older brother. The older brother wants things to be fair. And complains when they're not. God calls us not to be like either, brother, but but like the Father. Gracious, loving, and forgiving. I'm sure everyone here has seen the classic musical Les Miserables. There's a scene in it I'd like to describe. Now, the story is about Jean Valjean, who's been in prison for 19 years for crimes he committed. He was a thief, a bad person. And he gets out, he goes through the little town looking for a place to spend the night and the priest reaches out to him and invites him and takes him in the priest not only gives him a clean bed but a hot meal but in the middle of the night there's a knock on the door the priest goes to the door and as he opens it in the middle of the night standing there is the local constable the prince, the, the sheriff and he's got John Valjean by the scruff of the collar Jean Valjean's holding a bag of silver, and the sheriff says, I believe this silver belongs to you. He's stolen it, but he says, you gave it to him. Without missing a beat, the priest says, yes, I did give it to him. And John, you forgot the candlesticks, and he gets him and hands them to Jean Valjean. Now, the priest is dumbfounded. I'm sorry, the, the, the sheriff is dumbfounded. His mouth falls open. He's in disbelief as to what has just happened. And Jean Valjean is touched deep inside. This unexpected gift of mercy and love changes his life. He leaves his life of crime behind. Eventually he becomes the mayor of the town. And every time he's blessed he passes it forward because he hasn't forgotten the mercy and the gift of the priest. Romans 2.4 tells us that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's not God's power. It's not his wisdom. It's not his sovereignty. It's his kindness. Because when we begin to understand the gift we've been given through forgiveness and the grace we've received by being adopted by God into his family... It touches us deep inside and we're changed forever. It was John Calvin who once said, the proof of salvation is a changed life. And so it is still today. Those who have been touched choose a different pathway. They're tempted to be the older brother, but they're reminded they're called to be the loving father they've been forgiven and called to forgive loved and called to love that's the gospel if you're asked to carry the soldier's equipment one mile carry it two someone strikes you on the cheek turn the other cheek you've heard it said love your neighbors and hate your enemies I say just the opposite love and pray for those who are your enemies God's call is to a new paradigm, a new pathway. It's a call to the narrow road. As our opening song said, there is a Redeemer. Keith Green sang that song originally in 1980. I saw him in concert in 1980. Two years later, he's killed in a plane crash at the age of 28. But he and Melody... Did that song together, it still touches my heart. Because it tells the truth of our situation. There is a Redeemer and He is Jesus, God's own Son. Blessed Child Messiah, the Holy One. He is and always will be our hope in this life and the next. Friends, it's next week. The older brother is going to speak into your head. And you're going to cry for fairness, justice. When it comes, remember, God calls you to a different pathway. He calls you to emulate the Father, to respond in love, forgiveness, and acceptance. Because that is the gospel that you and I are called to receive freely and demonstrate daily. May God lead each of us. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your touch upon our hearts and our lives. The trajectory of our life changed when we chose to believe and follow. I pray that you would continue the good work in us that you began long ago. And even on days where it's two steps forward and one back, we would keep our eyes on you on days when the battle between our flesh and our spirit is strong, remind us of Jesus' example. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And if your son could forgive being innocent, Father, we can forgive being those who are debtors. Father, thank you for this group and this journey together. I pray that you would bless us, that we might also be a blessing to this community in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.